As always, be Irish, go Tigers. Have a good one, y'all. Did you hear what you said? We're going to have to redo that. Dear Lord. I can't believe I did that. So I actually said, go Irish, be Tigers. Go Tigers. Be Irish, go Tigers. That's dyslexia to another degree. Another edition of the HLS Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Ritter. You can call me NB Tex. And if you would, please subscribe to us over at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Podbean, and of course, you can always find us at our home at HerLoyalSons.com. Come join us in Discord. That is our live chat channel, HerLoyalSons.com slash Discord is how you can reach us there. You can also email the show, podcast at HerLoyalSons.com. And folks, the Notre Dame LSU matchup is nearly upon us. It is time to preview a bowl game, a Notre Dame game, and with that, let me bring in Shane. How you doing, Shane? Got my gloves, got my shoes ready. We going bowling. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. I love it. I love it. Yes. Yes, we know there's other bowl games going on, and we typically do cover other bowl games. We will definitely talk about that once we're able to wrap a nice little neat bowl around, uh, bowl around it. And uh, Because, man, this season was weird, how everything kind of split with the holidays. Everything's in a weird spot. But with the release schedule that we have, because you're getting this on a Friday, so when we come, we'll, we'll recap the Notre Dame game next week and then we'll, we'll we'll go ahead and talk about some of the other bowl games when we start talking about the national title game and Notre Dame's in the rearview mirror and and we could just kind of move on so so that's what we're going to do th- today Shane does that sound like a good plan yeah I think it's good I think it's a good idea you know we, we, we want to focus on the content that we have right now um, I think we're all kind of ready to have this final result in in hand you know so I think it's a good idea to like to visit it now and then you know the the playoff landscape it's it's all it's almost just you know we we all understand that what we really want is the final matchup we can kind of go with that and talk about how things happened or panned out afterwards i'm, I'm totally down all right so so let's go ahead and get right to it and when we get right to it we're going to start with a little bit of remember last episode when we talked about kevin sufferson chain and we're like oh that, that's that's dumb but that's got to be about it right <laughs> <laughs> so the very next day after we recorded it it came to light that the day before sufferson got popped for his shoplifting he was driving 80 and a 60 that alone not too bad but they found marijuana in his car they also found he was driving with no valid driver's license need i remind you stefferson for his little run-in that involved marijuana in fulton county he was already on probation so that is the third run-in with the law and two of them back to back because you know after that it's like oh i need to go shoplift some nautica sweatpants just god not good at all it's it's hard to comprehend. I mean, like, you know, one could look at that and say, wow, this is a clear cry for help. Somebody needs some kind of assistance. But, like, there's just a recklessness to it that feels almost like, you know, not even calculated. Like, it, it doesn't feel like there is a thought process or a weight or, or a weighing of consequences or pros and cons or anything like that. It just feels like, a, well, I'm doing this now. 
Um, and we'll just see what happens. Um, it doesn't seem like there there's anything that's going to stop this kind of behavior. And if I mean, if it's first of all, I mean, I, I think we can all probably he's, he's likely gone at this point. Yes, uh, I, mean, I I can't see a situation in right. which he's not at this point. It, yeah, it feels like he he is hyper aware of that and almost tried to accelerate the process. I don't I don't I don't know how else to justify it because it just seems like there is no. Uh, rational thought process behind any of this stuff so it, it just doesn't make sense that's the only thing that could possibly make sense yeah and and i mean neither situation is good because even if it is the you know the, this kid just needs help and, and that still is not good either i mean right. if that's the best situation there to where well it's not really he's trying to be self-destructive it's just that he's hoping somebody will help him out that's still not a great situation to be in regardless and, and that's what really sucks about this whole thing is that there, there's no good outcome in this at all they're just just no good situation so that's really what we're looking at here and the other thing in regards to Sefferson that I found interesting is Brian Kelly did make a note that while he is indefinitely suspended from the football team he did make a note that he wasn't going to be suspended or jettisoned from the university now he said that before if I'm remembering my timeline right before all this came out Ever since then, it's been, you know, more of a no comment than anything else. Just saying the situation hasn't changed at all. So, I mean, it looks like Notre Dame is willing to not show him the door, but I really don't see it in in a situation to where he is dismissed from Notre Dame football and he doesn't go try to play elsewhere because he right. has a lot of talent. Somebody's going to take a chance on him. It just, unfortunately, it looks like one of those situations where, for whatever reason, whatever Notre Dame did wasn't jiving with him and and he, like you said, he may have just really wanted out. And he's like, look, if I just go ahead and boost this pair of sweatpants, this this will be the end of it. After yeah, everything I mean, else, it should do it. Which, again, there's no there's nothing logical about that thought process. But like, that's essentially the only way I could I could speculate uh, reasonably within my mind. Um, yeah, they're, they're just it, it, the best case scenario at this point, as in, you know, for him, his career, whatever you want to call it. He's going to I mean, he, he'll leave the, the team and transfer. He's not going to leave the team. And just I don't know, hang out and be a student. Like, yeah, that's not happening. I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't follow. It doesn't follow. So, uh, sure, a team will take to take a chance on him. You know, um, I'd, I'd be willing to put money down on an SEC team, but we'll see. Um, but you know, if that's what he wants, I I, I can say there are easier ways to do it. <laughs> uh, but at this point, you know, that's all rear view now. So it's essentially like what, whatever direction he chooses to drive in. That's essentially where he's going. But uh, yeah, he's. This this pretty much feels like that's 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 a wrap on the KJ Stefferson saga, if you will. It absolutely does, and because Notre Dame already has a lot of receivers they can throw to, with you know Stefferson now being out. Of course, we got Claypool that needs surgery. Alizé Mack also suspended, mm -hmm. but just for the bowl game. So uh, yeah, and those reasons, right? Just yeah. just. Team violation? Yeah, a violation of team rules, which could be anything. Of course, it's all right. This happened around the time grades were released, so maybe this is it. And then, you know. The is that it's not academic, though, right? Uh, well, I have no idea. I mean, that that was the thing. Is it, It's one of those things where I'm not sure what the exact reason is. Everybody's been tight-lipped about it. I haven't seen the specific reason, and I don't want to speculate more than, you know, just, just kind of spitballing, but – I mean, it's it's insane right now what's going on because it just it drives you mad. I mean, imagine if you're Wimbush right now, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're yeah. sitting here and, and the depth chart got released. So Shane, uh, have, have you been able to, to take a look at who we know for sure Wimbush is going to yet besides Equidemia St. Brown? Oh uh, boy. Um, well, I, I, from what I could tell you off, off, off hand, I mean, you know, you still have Equinemius, but your next, your next viable options, considering KJ Stefferson being the leading receiver in production, Alizé Mack being uh, one of the more athletic large targets, um, and the same being true of Chase Claypool. I mean, one, it would follow that packages will likely include the likes of Miles Boykin at this point, right? Yep. Um, you got it. Had, the guy had, you know, enough production uh, to see game time a this year and, and and B, you know, still be that high up in the depth chart. So I believe that that would be the guy you're going to look for outside of EQ at this point. Yeah, that, that would be who is going to be lined up opposite side. As far as your slot, Fink right now is listed as the starter. Your backups for Boinkin, it's going to be Cam Smith. For Fink, it's going to be CJ Sanders. And I would sure hope as the game progresses that can flop just a little bit because I would rather have CJ out there than Fink, even though I mean, really? Fink, yeah, I mean, Fink's been reliable, but I think we got a lot more speed and raw talent in CJ. But the, the fact is, he just hadn't played much this season, so that's a little that's concerning. I agree that he is definitely the more athletic of the two. You want KJ, you want uh, CJ Sanders uh, in there, you know, in terms of break, game breaking speed potentially. But um, I don't know. Um, just call me, maybe you can call me cynic or whatever, but just considering how Brandon Wimbush's performance down the stretch. I would probably be more interested in seeing something that can reliably get him in rhythm and maintain it throughout the game uh, than CJ, who not, I mean, not only is he, he's definitely a more athletic player, but you know, he's, I'm not sure if, if his game time, if his game time this year has anything to do with anything other than, you know, the depth chart above him. But, you know, the, the past couple times he's been in game action, he's, you know, he's cost situations that have been pivotal. You know, two major fumbles in the past two years in kind of crucial moments in games um, and, and, and the subsequent dropping in the depth chart. I mean, I don't know what his mental makeup is at this point, and that would be a concern to me as well. So I, I, would, I would still vouch for the Chris Fink to start in that spot and try to maintain as much, uh, I guess, consistency as possible in the offense in this game. Yeah, and not only that, um, it, it, one of the, the things that comes up a lot, especially with the receiver situation, is who does Wimbush seem to trust? And, and that's really been one of the head scratchers. It seems like he doesn't have great chemistry with uh, almost anyone at this Anybody. point. Yeah, however, Fink, he there, and I forget exactly which game it was off the top of my head, but it seemed like every pass was going to Fink, and Fink was the only one reliably catching a ball. So yeah. I, I can see why Fink gets the nod there. I, I do think it would be better for the Irish if they could justify putting yeah. CJ in there, but that's that that's the rub. Can you actually justify it, or do you say, no, you're, you're better off on the bench? Um, yeah. And the, the other part of the wide receiver jump chart uh, backing up EQ is uh, Michael Young, who has been talked up a bunch. Freshman. Um, yeah, freshman, but also Louisiana native, so somebody that grew up cheering for LSU, so it's that storyline. So I don't know if that's just the easy talking point uh, for coach speak to where it's like, yeah, the, the kid from Louisiana, this is a big game for him. He's ready to go. He's been showing us a lot in practice. We'll, we'll, we'll actually see if it can translate because you really need somebody to step up and that's EQ included because he just really hasn't seemed to, to take off like we would have hoped. And the one time he made a big effort for, for a ball, he almost got killed. because he, yeah, he almost got <laughs> so. so we'll see what happens there. And, and, you know, tight ends, obviously you got Durham Smythe and then, and uh, listed behind him as Wisher or uh, Komet. So, 
I mean, I understand Brock Wright's out of this game as well. Correct. Yeah, Brock is is out for certain. And I mean, on the injury front, the other thing you got to wonder, you know, how is how is Josh Adams looking? How is the rest of the the award winning Joe Moore award winning offensive line looking? Has everybody got their October legs under them? Because we're going to need it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this point, um, this is not a game where you want to have to rely on, you know, shredding an LSU secondary that basically year in, year out proves unshreddable. Um, it's certainly not following the performance of Brandon Wimbush in the offense down the stretch. You need to run the ball. You need to run it well. Uh, you need to establish that early. You need to essentially ride the horse that got you there, right? Um, but, you know, we all saw Josh Adams essentially crumble into into pace as the year uh, wore down uh, in November. So, um, you need to see what that's at. Uh, I think the offensive line remains reliable and trustworthy uh, in this situation. I think they'll be fresh. Uh, no major injuries or anything like that, knock on wood, uh, have been reported. Um, so I expect the running game to be uh, maybe not, you know, maybe not Boston College level, but certainly uh, productive enough to hopefully uh, open up a little bit, some, uh, maybe a little bit of that, you know, bowl, bowl game creativity part of the playbook. Um, just to see if they can get some momentum off some surprises. Yeah, I mean, and they're facing a rushing defense that's only giving an LSU that's only giving up 126.4 yards a game. So, you know, yes, like you mentioned, it they always end up having a pretty good secondary. And, and uh, to that point, I mean, they're giving up less than 200 yards a game through the air. That's, that's incredible, especially in this era of college football, even if they are playing in the SEC, which has some of the more quote-unquote traditional pro-style run-first type offenses. And you know besides like an auburn not a whole lot of spread concepts so so that's that's gonna be the tough thing right there is that you're facing one hell of a defensive unit and you're hoping everybody is you know all hands on deck ready to go because uh, i mean it's gonna be like facing the georgia game i mean i would say georgia's got the better defense but that's that's a similar style of what you're facing a front seven that can suffocate you and then a secondary that can lock down and i really hope that this isn't solely on josh adams and that either uh, jones jr or and hopefully dexter williams is 100 percent because they're going to need that second gear and it was a gear that williams completely lost at the end of the season you could see yeah. why he wasn't getting the the snaps and you know the wild card of Dion mcintosh who i wouldn't expect to get a whole lot of carries but He's proven at least serviceable. So, man, you just, like you said, it doesn't need to be Boston College level, but it's got to be something. It's got to be something. Yeah, because, again, we cannot rely on an offense that not only doesn't have rhythm, it also doesn't have weapons right now. Um, Certainly not the experienced players from the season. So it's going to have to be the kind of thing where they run the ball effectively. But like you said, I mean, if if Notre Dame could, could get away with – uh, clearing, I think that 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 average mark that LSU gives up, 125. Um, I think there, it spe- it would speak to them being um, in a decent enough place in terms of the pacing of the game. If that were the case, um, it just depends on you know really what you know what the I guess the the offensive production looks like at that point. I mean, if they're at 124 yards with four minutes left in the fourth quarter, not great, right? Um, but if they can clear it, um, you know, anywhere near halftime or post halftime. Um, then they're then they'll be in the spot that, that I think that they want to be in, and to not be forced uh, to dink and dunk and and test the secondary's ability. You know what I mean? Right, and I, I completely agree with you. And to that point, you know, even if you have to do some dink and dunk type stuff, uh, Wimbush, where's his accuracy going to be at? He's had a month, and 
you hope, you really hope that that was enough time to where, I mean, all the talk, you know, from Kelly was it's mechanical. There's some mechanical things that we got to work on. And he, he never really said, you know, fully that it was a 100% of mental thing with Wimbush, which I really think a lot of it is mental as well. And, and you can get in your own head and it can fuck with your mechanics as well. So you're wondering, all right, he's got a month have the combination of BK and Rees been able to, you know, undo whatever the hell went wrong because he, it seemed like he got progressively worse as the season went on, especially when it got crunch time. And you, you really need Wimbush to come out like he did against Michigan State to where he was effective enough. And now LSU, the last thing you want to do is to have LSU completely sell out for the run because that's that's going to be a bad day. Yeah, Georgia showed us that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, we can't, and we can't repeat that history at all. So uh, that's one of the, the very, very big concerns there. I think all eyes are, are really on the offense. You know, the defense, uh, the good news there, apparently Mike Elko, you know, a, a Texas A&M reportedly tried to poach him. So Jimbo Fisher went after him. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, he said no. And uh, I, I, again, this is one of the things it's like, oh, well, Texas and Aggie fan too. Nope. When it comes to Notre Dame versus Texas A&M, I want Notre Dame to win 100 times out of 100. So I am very happy Elko's staying on board. And we're going to need every last ounce of Elko magic there because that rushing offense for LSU is quite stout and we'll talk a little bit more about LSU and their offensive situation but really the big story for LSU is how much is Darius Geis going to play because as of right now he's listed as probable for this game with an undisclosed injury so he should be able to play but the question is does he want to if he does how hard is he going to want to play does he really want to go risk it in in a right below a new year six bowl does he feel like it's actually going to help his draft stock so that's one side of the coin yeah for a thousand plus yard rusher but the other side of the coin is that there's daryl williams who has 776 rushing yards 5.7 average and nine touchdowns just two less than guys and his average is actually 0.4 yards higher than guys which is kind of incredible yeah it basically it's a pick your poison kind of situation, um, which to me speaks to the obvious common denominator being that LSU's offensive line is legit as shit. Yes. Um, but, you know, it, the guys thing. I mean, yeah, guys is the weapon that you watch out for that. You know, the, the eyes are going to be on that. The announcers are going to like drag into the fucking dirt about how amazing he is and blah, 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 blah. Um, but is, you know, we're, we live in a landscape now where, I mean, I'm sorry, but, you know, it's kind of smart in a way to McCaffrey the bowl game, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, ah, fuck that. I'm just going to go play in the NFL. Um, so, you know, probable to me, just, I mean, you know, the word probable is just leaning positive, which suggests he's probably going to play, but I would caution expectations for anyone looking to see uh, Darius guys, you know, go off in this game or, you know, have himself a day. I, I, it doesn't seem likely at this point that, you know, whatever game time he gets is going to be, you know, workhorse, kind of material i feel if if anything um it just seems like you'd be you'd be smarter or better off you know at this point you know just taking some blows and maybe a couple extra you know what i mean um but like you said it doesn't matter though (laughs) it doesn't save anybody anything i'm not saying it because i'm hopeful that you know notre dame's defense and it gets a break that's not why i'm saying i'm saying it because i i honestly believe that if that kid wants to pursue a career and and is worried about his health he should prioritize that absolutely um, but in in this situation, what I have to remind everybody is that no no, no matter what, uh, LSU gets to pick their poison and Notre Dame is in for a, sh- a showing. 
So the defensive line, the defensive front seven absolutely have to show up. Um, they absolutely have to play their fucking brains out. Um, and, you know, it's it's the kind of situation where you could call it a, a, a matchup of running offenses and, you know, who outrushes the other or who basically outperforms the other team. But, you know, it's just one of those things that it's not that simple, right? Uh, because LSU's defense is legit and Notre Dame's is much improved. Um, but this is one where it has to be taken seriously, regardless of the name and number in the backfield, because LSU can produce and they will. Absolutely. And and really, it comes down to where's the question mark for LSU and it would be on the, their passing game. They average more yards on the ground than they do through the air, which is absolutely hilarious, especially in this <laughs> 210.8 on the ground, 201.3 in the air. Maybe some of that has to do with your relying on a Purdue transfer and Danny Etling to be your quarterback quarterback but in Edling's defense yes he is passing for just under 10 yards an attempt which is also hilarious but here's wow. the thing he has thrown for over 2,000 yards he has completed 60 percent of over just over 60 percent of his passes and he has 12 touchdowns to two interceptions so he is he takes care of the ball you know you you hear about the bus driver and the quarterback doesn't need to do anything to make you lose so while Notre Dame has the advantage at least talent wise for quarterback Wimbush hasn't been able to do this as far as being yeah. able to protect the ball, to be that reliable, be that accurate, if you will, like Etling has. Now, that's not to say that you know Notre Dame doesn't have to worry about the quarterback situation at all, but it is to say that if they need to go through the air, they got confidence that they can get a bigger chunk if they want to you know convert a second and long instead of just trying to get like three yards in a cloud of dust with either guys or williams for instance so that's really what you have to look at he has been known to run the ball himself ish i mean 62 attempts for just over 100 yards has a couple touchdowns so that's that's where you know Notre Dame it's going to be up to their front seven to to cause a little bit of pressure try to make sure that you know they don't let Etling all of a sudden look like a superstar that's yep. that's the other thing they can't do because we have seen Notre Dame defenses do that but uh, yeah all the time <laughs> not not as concerned with the passing game but it's something to where uh, like that's that's the kind of what we would want from Wimbush right now a keep you honest type of of yeah. offense for the quarterback position yeah i mean you know it's it's a it's a matchup of, of neither quarterback is going to light your world on fire kind of thing but doesn't it always feel like that's that game where one of them just kind of treads the <laughs> other for no fucking reason yep um I, I caution uh what you said prior about you know we notre dame has the advantage at quarterback that's the only thing that i would say that i'm not entirely sure i agree with because you know Let's all recognize that the passing game, specifically Wimbush's performance, has not been stellar. I mean, I, I would I would say with raw talent, uh, raw execution. Talent, yes, I'm with you. Raw talent is you know that that encompasses the athleticism, the ability to to, to pick up, run. You know, you know, he absolutely um, did most of his work in terms of his production and ter- and I guess points uh, on the ground. Um, but you know, forty nine percent completion for the year. Um, you know, yards per attempt six point eight from Wimbush. Only sixteen, no, sixteen touchdowns to six interceptions. You know, uh, he's certainly not. Uh, I mean, passing. There's nothing to indicate that he's better than Danny Etling right now. I'm sorry to say that, but he isn't. That hurts. Um, <laughs> I know, right? How crazy is that? But I think we all recognize his potential. I think everybody agrees that that was the expectation coming in. Maybe it was unfair to say that in his first year starting, but we see what he can do. 
It just doesn't feel like this is going to be that necessarily that that birthing game. Although it should be, it that, this would be that moment to catapult him into next year with literally all the confidence in the world to go in and and work LSU's defense. But if you look at Danny Etling on the other side, I think he's he's facing much less of an uphill battle. Um, you know, when it comes to the, the overall pa- approach to the passing game, uh, he's his team uh, LSU always and still has uh, a stellar wide receiving core. Um, some of the fastest people you'll probably see that should be playing corner are almost always on their offense. Um, <laughs> Notre Dame's defense hasn't necessarily done anything to indicate that their secondary should be respected or feared. I mean, you just just test them. I mean, unless Julian loves somewhere in the area um, and you got past, uh, you know, you got past Drew Tranquil in, in, that, in that general space, you're, you're probably going to get something going. I mean, it, it's 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 one of these things that while the defense was much improved, um, and certainly they're creating turnovers like motherfuckers. It just, it's, it's never still, I still, you still don't get that identity from Notre Dame's secondary. You still don't get that, oh shit, you know, m- maybe don't test them or they'll make you pay kind of feel. You get instead the test them until they make you pay for it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so it's, it's just the kind of thing that it, it, I, I sense they will try it. Um, I think everybody on the con- in the country is expecting the run game to be the feature uh, approach uh, by LSU. So they absolutely will go for it. Um, and I'm just, that's my big matchup in terms of the red flag of, of concern is what, how Notre Dame secondary manages to account for the fact that they're likely going to be targeted and they're likely going to get picked on probably a lot. Yeah. Well, the, the one adjustment that they are making, at least on the depth chart is that uh, Troy pride jr. Is actually getting the nod next to Julian love. So Sean Crawford, uh, listed at least on the, the depth chart basically as the nickelback there. Uh, he is, he's backing up, uh, Troy pride jr. So that's one thing that's going to change and, and definitely saw a little something from pride, uh, mm-hmm. towards the end of the season, limited time. Uh, but to your point, this defense has been known that it's been a hallmark. They have forced turnovers and now they're facing a team that's only turned over the ball eight times four lost fumbles four interceptions and four of those came from the huge what the fuck loss of the season for lsu and that was against troy where they lost two fumbles and threw two interceptions beyond that they never had more than one turnover in a game yeah so that's that's Elko's going to be doing something special if he's going to be able to get this team to to cough something up because Troy looks more like an aberration and the rest of the time and we're, we're even talking the likes of Alabama folks yeah. only one turnover yeah not 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 nothing uh, nothing will come easily nothing will be given you know no, absolutely not. So now if we are looking for spots where, okay, Notre Dame's got some turmoil on their side, is there anything LSU has got on the turmoil side? And the answer is, why, yes, they actually do, believe it or not. And that comes from their offensive coordinator, at Matt Canada, who seems to be at odds with the Coach O for whatever reason because he he was he said in one of his press conferences that after the Troy game the offense was running like he wanted to and now there's reports that sources are saying that even just after one year of Air Canada they're looking to ship him back north of the border or anywhere else outside of the state borders of Louisiana so they're on the outs and and I looked game by game and and like I said, the one game against Troy seems to be the the complete you know it, it's the oddity in the whole situation, and it was those four turnovers. But I'm not really sure you can blame that completely on a Matt Canada offense when the games prior they didn't see anything like that. Mm-hmm. Now they had a, a a game of offensive ineptitude against Mississippi State, 
But I mean, beyond that, they looked just fine. They were they were gaining 400 or so yards against inferior competition. They kept that going even against Troy. They got over 400 yards. They get into SEC play and they're getting 300, 400 yards a game most often against Texas A and M. They got 600. They got damn near 600 against Mississippi. So there's, I mean, they had a little bit better performance, I guess. But overall, I'm not sure. It seems like there's a personality conflict there, if anything. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like that the tagline from that old movie Jaws: The Revenge. Like this time, it's personal. Uh, <laughs> it's not. It's like, that's the thing. You go back and you look at the resume, if you will, like the actual um, uh, the merit of his work. Um, and he's not being he's not being fired for performance based issues. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem like that's the case. In this case, he's not shipping out or being asked to leave because he's a shitty offensive coordinator. I mean, he had his his weak moments, but every single season, every single coordinator does. Um, it happens every every year, and, and you know, it's at least once a year to everybody. Um, all all that's to say, it's like well, it's it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, I, they went through so much to get him first of all, and now he's the highest paid offensive coordinator in the country. Um, so they clearly wanted, they clearly saw something they wanted. Um, but I guess once. I guess once Coach O got his, you know, you know, got his hands on the reins a little bit more firmly as the season went on, or following spring practice, or who knows, maybe it was just Troy. I'm not sure what moment exactly, but um, it, just, it seems like now they don't want him. Um, which um, it's not that it's weird because I, you know this has happened before, right? Coordinators and coaches don't always just get along, but it's weird that it's just so explicitly public that that's why. You know what right I mean? Right before a bowl game at that. And right before the bowl game. Like, everyone is just kind of clear on, like, ah, they don't really like each other. There's tension. Other coordinators try to get involved and didn't change anything. It's like, that's, y'all are putting that out there? Like, that's that's weird amounts of dirty laundry. Like, I don't need to see your drawers, but, you know, cool. Thanks for showing them to me. Um, oh, and you have a bowl game coming up this week? That's not distracting. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, and that's what, I mean, I don't know if that's going to be enough to really affect anything other than because I I guess this has been something that's been going on for a while and it's just kind of now more out there because I haven't heard a word of this until basically this week. So I don't know if this was turmoil that was already going on in the locker room and everybody just kind of ignored it, but I mean, it is what it is. That's the only real sign of turmoil, you know, mixed in with maybe the guys takes it a little bit easier in a bowl game. But beyond that, you know, LSU has had some odd performances, e- even still after, you know, that, that game against Troy, Tennessee, they barely, uh, yeah, they didn't even put up 300 yards of offense. Nope. I mean, they, they won the game 30 to 10, but still, I mean, that, I mean, they look, did anemically, yeah, they did, but that was a, a game where, Tennessee actually outgained them. And luckily for them, Tennessee coughed the ball up twice, and that helped them seal the thing. But they weren't exactly blowing the doors off of them, nor did they really need to. The game against Alabama was, it it seemed like almost every LSU-Alabama game of recent memory. The game against Auburn was just weird because Auburn blew the doors off of them in the first half, and then they just seemed to, LSU just seemed to figure it out, slash Auburn choked the damn thing away. They barely beat Florida after losing Detroit, which is the weirdest of weird games. So if you believe Coach O took over the reins after Troy, that first... That first little uh, uh, grabbing the reins there, uh, you kind of drove the horse right into a tree. Oh, you know, I ate some bad gator, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Just a... Just a bad, bad, a bad batch. 
Yeah, and, and no turnovers in that one, but they barely win seventeen to sixteen. That's just offensive ineptitude. That's horrifying. That's a, that is the that's one of those SEC scores that you always look at and say gross, and then look at it. Oh, LSU played. Never mind. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> yeah. So so there's some there's some weird things going on uh, with this team, and really that, that seems to be the story of the matchup. Is is maybe you really don't know what kind of LSU team you're getting. Hell, we never know what kind of Notre Dame team we're really getting and especially you know a lot of it centers around Wimbush and rightfully so but also as of late and as the season went on it really had a lot to do with the offensive line and the running game as well because it just never looked like they got the same push that they got earlier in the season and either people figured it out or everybody was just banged up and tired I mean, body by Bayless. I, don't, I mean, I don't, you know, I say that jokingly. I'm not sitting there <laughs> trying to disparage it because honestly, I think we all appreciated it and saw the, the dividends of that in the early season. But you know, every year doesn't matter how great a strength and co- strength and conditioning coach is. Every team has its you know has its difficulties in the late the late months of the season, or certainly the late weeks. When you know, at this point, it's 12 weeks that you've played. Not even to mention the number of times you've practiced aside from that. You know, people break down. So this hopefully this long break. Will you know? Will show some some vigor in in either team. Honestly, w- would be a, a plus because you know LSU didn't necessarily limp their way to nine and three, but they ne- they weren't necessarily you know blazing trails getting there. Um, but Notre Dame didn't necessarily do anything to, to to spark confidence in terms of how they close the year out either. So it'll be interesting to see who stands up tallest. On, on New Year's Day. It will. I mean, and that's all to say, I think, or at least I feel you're getting at, is that this should still be a wildly entertaining game. I mean, it, exactly. it at least has exactly. that feel. Yes. Now, uh, are you interested in what the spreadsheets say about these two teams, Shane? Uh, I I do data analysis as a, as a profession, sir, so please <laughs> do hit me. All right, so we're going to start with the S&P Plus. Overall, LSU is at 20, Notre Dame at 14. Offense for LSU, 42. Defense, surprise, surprise, 17. Notre Dame offense, 24. Defense, 30. So LSU, not not very mediocre offense. You know, again, your, your eyes, sometimes the spreadsheets equate with your eyes. The kind of mediocre-ish offense you would expect, mostly because of their passing game, but a really damn good defense. And Notre Dame, just about right outside the top 25 you know, in defense and just inside the top 25 in offense, which, I mean, doesn't that, that, that kind of goes to show what team they were in general. Yeah, um, I mean, geez. Yeah, FEI plus. So in uh, these rankings, Notre Dame, 11. The jump to LSU is much more severe as they're all the way down at 29, if you can believe Boy. that. Yeah, wow. the, a much, much bigger jump. This one surprised me. And, of course, you know, these th- these two things look at different models. I know, um, you know, uh, Brian Conley, he always says that he tries to make his model as predictive as possible when he does his adjustments. And uh, the FEI, uh, a lot of that has to do with just outright efficiency, not so much forward projection. So so kind of keep that in mind as I go through these stats here. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, LSU ranked much better. They're ranked 25 as opposed to what Bill C had on there. Defense, 32 which is huh. actually very, very surprising to me. Wow. Uh, or at least I'm – well, I'm assuming I'm reading this right here, actually. Yeah, I mean, it does – yeah, I am reading that correctly, at least with, those, with the spreadsheets here. Now, uh, Notre Dame, on the other hand, 
Their offensive efficiency, 13. Their defensive efficiency, 21. And again, this is a drive-by-drive thing. So uh, I guess that's kind of what we're looking at overall. Uh, The strength of schedule, which is actually something that um, FEI looks at. Notre Dame weighs in at 6. And this one's interesting for LSU. They come in at 41. Which, boy, oh boy. which really kind of goes to show the the schedule that they had, uh, I guess, just in general in, in college what football. When you play Tennessee, man, <laughs> and Florida good. in the same season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, the spreadsheets, uh, you know, they favor Notre Dame fairly. Uh, you know, somewhat heavily-ish, but again, that that's on paper, but it's one of those things where it, it again, kind of like you said, it kind of confirms what your eyes have seen, that Notre Dame should, you know, with everything, even though they're the underdog in this game is according to Vegas, they should have the firepower, at least talent-wise, to be able to come out on top. Now, the question is, is are they actually going to be able to pull it off and execute that that right. lovely execution word? And the same goes for LSU. Loads of talent, tons of speed, like you pointed out, Shane. But are they going to come out and do the same thing? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's at a point now where it's just a matter of uh, who shows up first, frankly. Um, because I think the one mistake that Notre Dame uh, we've seen make many times and can't afford to make in a situation like this is to come out, you know, just stumbling. You know what I mean? No fucking back-to-back false starts on the first, on literally the first play of the game. Uh, none of the, you know, none of that uh, three and out shit to you know to start the game. No. You know, three straight passes, you know, when you have one of the better running backs in the country kind of things. Just not reinvent the wheel, not get cute until the time calls for it. Just go out there and show up first. Because if, you know, it feels like if you don't, it's too easy in these one-off games that bowl games are to drop the ball on both your your preparation and your mental makeup uh, early on. Because then what, right? That's the feeling that sets in is then what? What? Are you going to play catch up for this one game and then the whole season's over for another couple months? Like, what is the motivation, the the mental makeup, the, the mind space? All that shit matters. And it is all dependent on, I think, which team shows up first. I, I would say that's that's a very I mean, we don't need to see the good old classic Notre Dame slow start. You don't need right. to be playing catch up, especially uh, they haven't been able to do it against the good teams. And you really don't want to put yourself in that position to begin with at all. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I'm excited for this game, Shane. I, uh, it sounds like you're excited to watch it as oh, well, yeah. uh, man. And hopefully that comes up. And really, the other thing I want to see is as much as we like to talk about coaches as Notre Dame fans, because he, Brian Kelly is facing a guy that, as much as I love Coach O, he's been interim at best for most of yeah. his career. So now it comes down to, are you going to let somebody that basically got his job with a very nice binder outcoach you in a month of preparation? Or are you going to have something a little bit better in the tank than what you've been able to show in bowl preparation? That's really what I want to see because Music City Bowl, he, he sure had it against Les Miles. You know, so yeah. fuck this I'll, I'll use Zaire all day long and the offense is going to look a little bit different than it has all season long now we're not going to see a quarterback switch by any means but now it's okay I know what this team can do I know what state we're in you know obviously everybody's going to be looking for how how is Notre Dame going to run the ball what kind of wrinkles is Brian Kelly going to throw in now that it's kind of obvious you have a feeling you know what's coming that's the other underlying thing yeah. I'm on the lookout for yeah, honestly, one thing that I want to I want to point out that I feel like I've noticed and, and maybe no one's really calling attention to is we keep saying that the biggest thing we have to see is what the offense can do, right? And I feel like that's not unfair. But the problem is to me is 
there's a, there's a person responsible for that part of the side of the ball that really doesn't seem to get named much. And that's Chip Long. Like, mm-hmm. it's important to recognize that we love Elko. We're all hyper aware of his, inc- his incredible performance and his improvements on the defense. But there is still an offensive coordinator that has to kind of answer for the way things went and are going. Um, so if it's if it's a Brian Kelly thing, I get that. But we're to believe and to understand, and it's been demonstrated this entire year that Chip Long's essentially calling the plays here. Um, so we, what I need to see is him kind of closing this shit out on, on a high note, because I'll be honest there, there, it, it never seems to go away that you still get those moments where you look at what Notre Dame does on the screen and go, who the fuck thought that was a good idea. <laughs> and at this point you have to recognize that the name for that person is Chip Long, frankly. Um, so what, whatever he schemes up or whatever he, whatever approach he decides to take, I think we still have to bear in, you know, bear in mind that it does still fall on him first. Um, so in terms of improvements across the board and hires and all that stuff, yeah, we all love Elko and we all know that, you know, the, the Brian Kelly crowd is, is divided and, and equally loud on both sides. But, you know, we also have to, you know, recognize that Chip, Chip Long has some, some questions to answer as well. So I just kind of want to see more or less what his, uh, what his game plan is in this, in this situation. No, no quarterback changes, no, none of that. So what is he going to do? to kind of motivate things and, and keep it interesting. Yeah, and I mean, Chip Long, uh, to your point, has really shown, I mean, this is a guy that it's really only his second season being an offensive coordinator, so sometimes that inexperience has shown. Now, now, granted, somebody's responsible for making that call, making that hire, so it's yeah, not sure. like Brian Kelly's completely absolved, so I don't want anybody right. listening to get right. it twisted, but you do have a point. And, and you know, uh, BK can't completely lay it at his feet either. So, but, and that's part of what has to go into this month long meetings. The two of them getting together, it's like, okay, we know all the mistakes we've made. Now, how do we try to come with something different against a defense like LSU so we don't run into the same pitfalls that we have throughout the year? So that's, uh, and I will be interested to see because one thing I have liked about Chip Long is that. You know, give him credit where credit's due. He gave this offense a different tempo. They stuck to it, which is one thing I've always criticized BK for. Was he kind of waffled between? It's like, no, no, no. Okay, uh, this no huddle stuff isn't working. Let's let's huddle some more, but still have these spread concepts. Okay, I don't want to throw the ball that much. Let's let's stick to uh, my power running core that I used to run at Cincinnati and everywhere else. Okay, well that's not running because of the line. Let me let me try to outscore people and really fling the ball around the field. And at least Chip Long's sticking to a vision, or at least I feel like he. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I really yeah. hope that's what stays in place more than anything else. Agreed. Well, all right. Well, we've talked a lot about Notre Dame, LSU, but uh, I think I need to get Eddie in here because there's a handful of bowl games that we need to go ahead and pick. And there's, there's some good ones on the list. And as always, we have my good buddy N.D. Eddie Mack. We're going to round out the rest of the picks for bowl season. We got up to we're starting on Saturday, December 30th, and then we got all the New Year's Day bowl games, including the New Year's Six. Eddie, we are almost at the end of this little road here. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. If you'll just give me a second, I'm I'm confused. I've never seen my balance this high. I'm uh-huh. I'm still stacking checks from that pinstripe ball over, baby. Uh-huh. That was okay. I'm going to go all the way back to that bullshit unsportsmanlike conduct penalty <laughs> that helped Iowa get their first touchdown. Because that was horseshit. That helped them get a touchdown. I was fully confident until the tail end of that game 
but this this is what I get. I, I had a great day. Hey, folks, we, we are recording this right now on a Wednesday because we are podcast time traveling here. Uh, but yeah, uh, as good as Tuesday went for me, I went 3-0 and the, the quote-unquote week prior. I only missed two, and now I haven't gotten one right yet. Hey, man, you got to trust those short porches at Yankee Stadium. You're not going to get a pitcher's duel out there. Jesus. That's stupid. That, that is the worst football surface. I don't know. Did you see the Notre Dame players actually tweeting about how bad the surface was? I did not. It was it was the ex-Notre Dame players that were involved in the pinstripe bowl. And it was like a thread of them complaining about it. Kind of cracked me up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't blame them. I mean, that just, again... Can we just fucking stop with the football and baseball stadiums? It is it is inhumane. It is an affront to God. It's just it's just wrong. It is wrong. It is absolutely wrong. All right. Well, like I said, uh, the pickup is still going on. Uh, this we're we're in the middle of quote unquote week eighteen here because uh, the pickem pull is a little bit weird the way we're doing it this year. Uh, and you will see some weird asterisks by my name. That is because I was dumb and forgot to get my picks in in time. I can actually thank Eddie for reminding me. However, yeah, I got I didn't get the Utah, Virginia pick West Virginia pick in in time on the site. You heard it on the podcast. So that's where it counts. But let's be honest, folks, you know, my track record. It ain't going to fucking help at all. <laughs> <laughs> let's be real here. I'm just hoping to get to 500 on the season. That's that's about it. It is only so I can announce what I am when we get to the national title game and have it be accurate. That's where we're at right now. <laughs> a, a fair and reasonable goal. It is. It's absolutely a fair, reasonable goal, but if I have another day like today, it ain't going to happen. But anyway, Eddie, enough of that. We can't be living in the past. I mean, who, who lives in the past? That would be like rebooting Roseanne or some weird shit like that. Or, you know, being a Notre Dame fan. Oh, God. Well, with that said, Eddie, are you ready? God, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Let's go, baby. All right. Well, now that that's out of the way, you son of a bitch. Um, got him rattled. Got him rattled, kids. <laughs> you do got me rattled. Uh, all right. Well, let's head over to the Tax Slayer Bowl. We're Louisville. It's going to take on number 23, Mississippi State, over in beautiful Jacksonville, Florida, at Everpank Field. Oh, my God. Anyway, uh, this game here, we got Louisville actually favored by six and a half points. Eddie, go ahead and lead us off, sir. This is one of the safest I've felt about a game yet. You've got Lamar Jackson and his collegiate swan song in a year that nobody's been talking about him, but statistically rivaled, if not beats his year last year when he won the Heisman. On the flip side, you got a Mississippi State team whose daddy just went out for cigarettes and he ain't come back yet. While while some Cardinal boosters may be sad about Papa John getting owned this week, <laughs> I don't think Lamar Jackson gives a shit. I'm going to take the cards, and I'm going to take them big. Yeah, give me the cards as well. This line seems very overly friendly, uh, especially with everything that happened in the Egg Bowl and the injury front for Mississippi State. But, yeah, this, this does seem like one of those to where Vegas almost feels like they're hoping somebody sees that there's a ranked number by one team and not another and just think they're all walking into a trap in this one, as I absolutely agree with you. Lamar Jackson has been fantastic. The only downside is Louisville's defense has been pretty hot garbage this season, but I think they will be able to stave off Mississippi State in this one. So go ahead and give me them uh, by that touchdown figure. 
Next up, uh, just, you know, starting about a half hour later, this is when we start stacking some games a little bit here on Saturday. We got the AutoZone Liberty Bowl over in beautiful Memphis, Tennessee at the Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium. Iowa State taking on number 20 Memphis. Iowa State, one of the most fun stories this season. Uh, absolutely destroyed the Big 12. I mean, if I had told you that Iowa State took out some of the top teams of the Big 12, you would have assumed that nobody from the Big 12 would make the playoff. But 2017 is weird. Here we are. Iowa State, a three-and-a-half point dog to Memphis. I love Iowa State. I love the story. I like the fact that they got a middle linebacker that will also play a little Wildcat quarterback. They're a lot of fun. I'll be pulling for them in this one, quite frankly, but I just don't see how they stop that powerful offense that Memphis has. Iowa State's got a decent defense, but I just don't think they're going to be able to keep up with Memphis in the end. So that three and a half points is looking mighty, mighty fine to lay there. So go ahead and give me Memphis. Eddie, who do you have? I'm on the Tigers as well. Uh, Iowa State has jumped up and bit some Big 12 teams, but Memphis isn't in the Big 12. And you've got a team with a home game and a bowl, always like that. And Memphis will fight you. Not <laughs> just figuratively, yes. <laughs> they will scrap in a game. They will literally beat your ass in the middle of a ball game. We've seen it, what, two of the last three years? Yes, it's beautiful. Rest in peace, Miami Beach Bowl, by the way. Oh, God. Just <laughs> gloriousness. What a gong show uh, that was at the end. That was amazing. Uh, but no, I've got Memphis here. All right. Yeah. All right. So, so far, two for two. Simpatico thus far. All right. Well, we did a little solid verbal reference with Simpatico there. Let's go ahead and give a shout out to Ty. Donor to, he was on Extra Life, donated to Extra Life, and his Penn State, Nettley Lions, a two and a half point favorite against number 12, Washington, and the place, number 11, Washington, excuse me, and the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. This, of course, in Glendale, Arizona. I, I am so sad this game's not in Tempe anymore. I had great memories there. Everything besides the game when Notre Dame was out there but anyway good old University of Phoenix Stadium Penn State again a two and a half point favorite Eddie who do you got in this one that man that was a fun trip until the game it's it's <laughs> funny how many times our stories <laughs> have started and lot. ended like that <laughs> Jesus uh as always shout out to good old Ty Hildenbrandt lovely gentleman got to meet him down here in Austin a few years ago during South by great guy his boys ain't winning this <laughs> Every time we've seen Penn State play a team with actual talent this year, they lost. And Saquon, if I'm Saquon, how hard are you going to go in this game? That's a good point. We, we don't yet know. This is the danger. This is the absolute danger of picking a game this early. I am liking the chances of him not playing in this game or, you know, even if he does play, maybe not going the full amount of carries that he's used to. Trace McSorley is certainly turnover prone enough for it. And UW has gotten some soft. God, man, it depends on what UW team shows up this year or this week. I mean, this year has been bizarre for the Huskies. It's hard to trust that team, but that's because they're unpredictable. Penn State, I feel like, is predictable. They go up against anyone with talent, they're going to lose. Give me the Huskies. See, Eddie, you hit on the exact point for what flipped me from the Huskies to Penn State. It is that unpredictability. I've watched Jake Browning play some incredible games, and, and then I've watched him play some of the worst games imaginable. And, and you've seen Washington as a team just not play up to their potential. 
So that that's really what it leans on is is which team do I feel like I could trust a little bit more? And even though you know Shaquan Barkley is, I, I give you, I, I see that point. That is a question mark. I don't know how hard he'll play if he'll play. But you know you still got Trace McSorley back there, and that guy loves to sling the ball. He can give that Washington secondary some fits. Granted, you, you should have a good running game to back that up. But you know, in a game that's almost a coin flip in this one, I'm gonna go ahead and and flip towards Penn State's way. Uh, but this this should be a hell of a fun game. We're gonna get into the really good games here. This is where it gets exciting, folks. Yeah, uh, he hey he may give him some fits, but you also can't spell gifts without fits, and he'll give him some of those too, my boy. I love it. I love it. All right, let's move Work on. Play. Yeah, I, well, that's what we do here on the HLS podcast. All right, let's move on to another New Year's Six Bowl, the Capital One Orange Bowl, number ten, Miami, number six, Wisconsin, in the uh, Indian burial ground that is a hard rock stadium for the Fighting Irish. It's going to be in lovely Florida, home game for Miami, basically. Yet, Miami, a six and a half point dog against Wisconsin. And boy, I, I feel like I am walking and whistling into a trap in this one. But the Miami has played their best at night, at home. How how can I go? And you're going to give me nearly a touchdown? Man, this, this feels like a trap. I don't like this. And, and yes, Miami can play super, super terrible. But on the other side of the coin, Wisconsin, they got a good defense. But I, I'm wondering if their offense is going to be able to, to put it together because Miami up front, that front seven, can stop that rushing attack for Wisconsin. I do actually have some confidence there. This comes down to me, which team screws up less. I'm expecting a little bit more turnover chain since this is in Miami's backyard. And because of that, I'm going to go ahead and go with the dog here. Go ahead and give me Miami. Eddie, who do you have? You said it. Miami at home at night. We know what happens when that goes down. Uh... And when it comes to Wisconsin, you know, the thing that we've said all year is, well, what happens when they play a good team? Well, they played Ohio State, and they look slow as hell. Yes, they did. Miami ain't slow. I think team speed is going to be the difference here. That crowd's going to be hyped for it. We we saw what a home game in Miami does for that crowd and for that team. I, I don't understand this line. I'm with you. I, this seems free money. I'm going to pound this money line <laughs> this is this is the one that i'm feeling the safest against maybe i just need a new year's six game against a big 10 team once a year because <laughs> i'm not saying i'm as confident about as i was for that stanford iowa oh, rose bowl but i knew it <laughs> but man i'm i'm close to that confident this is this feels like a blank check game to me. It really does, which, like I said, this is why I feel like I'm, I'm just walking in whistling to a trap because this makes no damn sense whatsoever uh, considering everything we just said. But anyway, let's move on. Now we're in New Year's Day. You're w- waking up with a hangover. There's a noon kick, 11 a.m. if you're in our neck of the woods, and you got the Outback Bowl, which is going to feature Ryan Nanny of the Shutdown Fullcast. Ryan Nanny, who we forced to read an ad because we were charitable for hurricane victims for this very podcast he's going to be in the blooming onion costume in the third quarter oh man i cannot wait to see that oh by the way there's a football game here michigan favored by eight and a half points over south carolina eddie who do you have in this one fuck michigan <laughs> give me the game cox uh 
honestly, if you watch this game, you got a problem. And and that comes from someone that has a litany of problems that could be linked to watching a football game at noon. This is going to be terrible. Uh, There's no chance that I'm going to take Michigan covering more than a touchdown against anyone. I'm hoping that the ghost of whoever the dumb running back is, the Jadavian Clowney literally decapitated (laughs) in the same game two years ago, three years ago, uh, haunts Michigan forever. Um, I I got no real good feel on this game besides good old-fashioned hatred. And and if it's good enough to keep me warm at night, I think it's good enough to make a pick. But hey, shout out to Ryan Nanny. Just a a boy living his dream. (laughs) So amazing. So great. Uh, The best part about that is how many times he got called local man in every single news story. That's what cracked me up the most. Uh, But good on him. I am with you. Fuck Michigan as well. I'm taking the Gamecocks because last time, let's travel back last year in the time machine when Michigan came down to Florida for a bowl game. It did not end well for them. In fact, it could not have gone worse. They ended up losing that game outright. I don't know if they'll lose this one outright. South Carolina has been a very weird team this year, but there there ain't no way I'm trusting any Harbaugh-led team. Because here's the thing. Eddie, do you know what Michigan's record is against teams above 500? I believe it's 0 for, Ryan. It, It is absolutely 0 for. So you're telling me, Vegas that Michigan, a team that hasn't beat anyone literally with a pulse this season, is somehow an eight and a half point favorite? Man, fuck that. that. No, 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 no. Yeah, go ahead and give me the Gamecocks. All right. Uh, We got a little New Year's Six action next up because about a half hour later, and this is why you're probably going to miss Danny as the Bloomin' Onion, and you're going to catch the highlights on uh, your favorite Twitter feed, most likely, is because there's going to be a little bit of a barn burner of a game in the Peach Bowl, I feel, and that is UCF, the Golden Knights, your group of five representative, heading over, number 12 UCF, taking on Auburn at number seven. This is going to be in Atlanta, Georgia, and that crazy spaceship known as Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And Auburn favored quite heavily in this one by nine and a half points. And man, I tell you what, I love what UCF's been doing this season. I really do. They, they've been great, but here's, here's the thing. They have yet to face a front seven like Auburn. This is going to be an absolutely rude awakening from them. I think uh, for, this has every, at least to me, the markings of a game that for about a half is really competitive. And then UCF is just absolutely worn down. Really, the only way UCF has a chance in this one is if Jared Sidham just completely falls apart. And he has done that this season. Auburn has lived and died with his performance. So if he has a very, very piss poor game, Auburn can drop this one. But... I have a feeling that Auburn will have a, a, a clean game. They got a lot of rest, got a lot of time to prep, and they, they just, quite frankly, have more talent than UCF. Plus, Scott Frost has walked out that door. So you got a coaching change, too. So go ahead and War Eagle, give me Auburn, and I'll lay that nine and a half. Who do you got, Eddie? This is a tricky one. You know, we, we've talked about the extracurriculars on these podcasts before, and this game is just full of them. On one hand, yeah. Scott Frost took the Nebraska job. He is still coaching this game, though. But yeah, dad left. That sucks. <laughs> on the flip side, you're coming in undefeated with a chip on your shoulder. Everyone's saying, okay, yeah, whatever group of five team, nobody gives a shit. You can't hang if you play a real team. Well, here's your shot. You come in angry. You got something to prove. Maybe you can get a split AP vote if you win and weird shit happens with the playoff. 
Probably not, but eh, you never know. Or wait, is the AP bound to go with the playoff or the coaches? I can't remember. Uh, I honestly could not tell you at this point because I, I, I doubt they're bound because it doesn't fucking matter at this point. There's only one poll that matters these days. Exactly. Uh, but either way, it, it, it'll it make you at least feel better. On the flip side, you got Auburn. Obviously a more talented team. But you're sitting there. You fought, You beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl. Doesn't happen that often lately, but you got that ass. And then what'd you do? You shit the bet against Georgia in the SEC championship. <laughs> and now you got to watch Bama in the playoffs where you thought you should have been. Are you really going to give a shit about this game? <laughs> I don't know. That's We've also, and we also saw carry on Johnson clearly was not healthy in that SEC championship game. Oh, he absolutely was not. Is he going to be back healthy? Is he going to risk it? Is he going to want to play? Are they going to want to risk him? Are they going to come into this game thinking, who the fuck are these CUSA clowns? They can't hang and come in overconfident and not care and get caught by surprise. Uh, And... God, man, nine and a half? That just reeks of a backdoor cover, (laughs) especially against a team that can put up that many points. This game is going to be a lot of fun. I I really have no idea what to expect, but I'm very much looking forward to watching it, except for the fact that it means I have to be awake at 1130 (laughs) on New Year's Day. Garbaggio. But give me them nights. All right, that sounds good. Uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna time travel again. We're gonna skip a certain game that kicks off at one p.m. twelve central, and we'll we, get. We back don't to have that. to come back. No, we don't have to come back. <laughs> we we will though. We still will. But let's go ahead and get to those college football playoffs. We got two semifinals to pick here. You got number two Oklahoma, number three Georgia. Georgia, a one and a half point favorite here. This is going to be the Rose Bowl game. And man, this is so weird to see Big 12 versus SEC in the Rose Bowl, but I, I kind of like it. <laughs> I actually really like it. But anyway, uh, who do you got in this one, Eddie? Oh, oh my God, I win the Rose Bowl game today. <laughs> I've been saying for what, the last month and a half that Oklahoma looks like one of the top two teams in the country. And here I think is where they're going to prove it. Don't get it twisted. Georgia has an amazing running game. That front seven, God tier. But they haven't played an offense like Oklahoma's all year long. Now, is Kirby Smart's ability to have a month to prep going to come into play? No doubt it will. But on the flip side, Lincoln Riley's had this much time to cook up some real dumb shit with Baker Mayfield who has just been insane this year and he's a zombie RIP we saw the tribute he can't be hurt he can't be killed I I cannot wait for this game this is going to be amazing the playoff this year is just fantastic for both games but I really think Oklahoma's just better than Georgia is they're They've got more to them, I guess, is the main thing. If Oklahoma can do anything to shut down Georgia's running game, they're done, and they're not going to be able to come back. So I'm going to take the Sooners in this one. 
I'm taking the Sooners as well. I, I'm bought into what they got. I, I didn't trust them in the Big 12 title game. I should have. I agree with you. Baker Mayfield is on another plane right now. And the thing about Georgia is while they do have a great front seven, like you said, what they haven't faced a quarterback. I mean, in the SEC in general, let's list the great quarterbacks playing in the SEC right now that truly great to be on that kind of level anywhere close to Baker Mayfield and they're just not there the only quarterback in all of college football that might end up there as far as statistical is is Lamar Jackson other than that they haven't faced a weapon like that and man Oklahoma's got some speed they got some players they got a running game on their own as well this is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. The only thing that worries me here is Oklahoma's defense, but the thing is, is that I just think they got enough firepower. And you got to remember that Georgia is walking in to a playoff game with a true freshman quarterback, as opposed to a Heisman Trophy winner. That doesn't bode well for Georgia at all. So go ahead and give me the Sooners to take this one. Going to be one hell of a game to start our New Year's Eve uh, afternoonish evening over uh, 4 p.m. five if you're on the East Coast. It's going to be great. I am I am very much looking forward to this. And then we got Alabama Clemson three. Number one, Clemson. Number four, Alabama. Alabama favored by three and a half points in the All-State Sugar Bowl. Again, in the spaceship. Uh, oh, no, different spaceship. This is the Mercedes-Benz in uh, New Orleans, the older spaceship. Excuse me. I saw Mercedes-Benz enough. Brain fart there. Anyways, uh, like I said, Alabama favored in this one by three and a half points. But, man, Alabama seems to be getting that favorite nod just because they're Alabama. And we've seen the weakness. And Clemson has seen the weakness. They've done it before. They did it to a better Alabama team. Now, Clemson is not that same team that played Alabama last year. That is for certain. Deshaun Watson is not walking through that door. But Alabama has looked vulnerable. I don't think they've gotten healthy enough even after this long layover. And as far as Nick Saban being able to coach up, I, you know, Dabo Sweeney can do the same thing on the other side. I think Dabo's going to have a good game plan. He knows how it worked last year. And now Saban's the one that's got a counterpunch. So advantage Dabo in that one. Advantage Clemson. Go ahead and give me the Tigers in this one. Give them to me outright. Who do you have, Eddie? Well, Brian, I'm a little surprised. I thought I was going to be alone here. I'm on Clemson. And I'm on Clemson by like two scores at least. As you said, this isn't Daddy's Alabama. This isn't the Alabama we've seen the last couple of years. They've been hurt. They're just, they're not as good flat out. Yes, they've had a solid year, but the competition they've faced, I mean, we went into the season thinking they were starting out with game of the century contender. Well, congratulations on beating the seven and six Independence Bowl champs. Not that impressive. <laughs> you look at who they got in the SEC. I mean, yeah, they, they beat LSU. They beat Mississippi State by a touchdown. Lost to Auburn. And after that, uh, you know, Vandy, Ole Miss, A&M, Arkansas, Tennessee, are we impressed yet? Not in the I'm least. Not. I'm not. Clemson's a better team, flat out. Uh, they can play good defense when they want to. And for some reason, I think they're going to want to in this game. And that offense, 
really just did not skip a beat losing Deshaun Watson. It's been incredible how well Kelly Bryant has played this year, and that's been banged up. Yeah, that Syracuse loss is hard to look past, and they should have been able to win that game without Kelly Bryant. But okay, they didn't have Kelly Bryant. That's an easy enough excuse. Clemson's just better. They are the other team that I've been saying top two in the country right now is OU and Clemson. I think Clemson wins, and I think Clemson wins fairly easily. This is not going to be the boxing three end of a trilogy. This is going to be Spider-Man three shitty end of a trilogy (laughs) that makes you wonder if you really enjoyed the first two. I like Clemson here. I like them big, especially when you consider, yeah, Nick Saban's had a lot of time to prepare, but he doesn't have Kirby Smart to prepare anymore. And Jeremy Pruitt, his new DC, just took a job at Tennessee. So you gotta wonder how much his attention's been split because even though he said he's working Alabama until the end of the season, he's still gotta go to some dinners. He's still gotta shake some boosters hands. He's still gotta try and call a couple of recruits. He's not gonna be 100% focused. That's enough for me, man. I got Clemson, and I like them not only outright, but by a couple scores. All right. I like I like how spicy you're getting there. I don't have that same confidence, but I, I like where your head's at. Let's see where your head's at for this one, Eddie. Uh, speaking of trilogies, I mean, kind of is this kind of Notre Dame LSU 3? Sugar Bowl, Music City Bowl, and, and Citrus Bowl? Presented by whatever the fuck Overton's is. I'm not going to Google it. I don't care that much. You're number it, four. It, it, Go ahead. It is technically it is technically a trilogy in that there have been three of them. <laughs> a little bit different than the last one. <laughs> Just a little bit different. All right. Anyway, uh, number fourteen Notre Dame, number seventeen LSU. Uh, this is going to be a noon kick for us over here in Texas, one p.m. for all you folks over on the East Coast in lovely Camping World Stadium. It has been torn up from two other bowl games, and we get to do one more, one more in this one. Uh, and Notre Dame. Coming into this one as an underdog, one of the rare times that's happened. The only other time that happened was against Georgia. But LSU, three-and-a-half-point favorite here. Eddie, this last Notre Dame game we have to pick this season. Who do you got? One of the main complaints or knocks you've heard about Notre Dame this year is that they're too one-dimensional on offense. They're, They're just a running team. Well, Ryan, what if I told you that three of your top four receiving targets have been taken out of the game. I would not feel good about things. Chase Claypool lost his shoulder to Canadianness or something. I don't know. <laughs> Kevin Stefferson, just a fucking idiot. He's gone. He's back to his old bunk on the raft for stealing some sweatpants, speeding with a little ganja in the car. He probably did some other dumb shit since the last time I checked Twitter. Who knows? (laughs) And then who else? Alizé Mack. Undisclosed suspension indefinite or just for the ball game. For the ball game. I don't know. It would probably be wrong to speculate, but grades just came out and he lost a year to academics. So I know where I'd put my money. Anyway, you got nobody to throw to. You got a quarterback that half the time has his, you know what it is? You know how like in video games you can, or when you're actually hunting, you can sight a rifle and zero in and be like, okay, 
if I'm looking 100 yards away, here's where I'm aiming. I'm looking 200 yards away, here's where I'm aiming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Wimbo didn't get that added on. (laughs) My dude can't zero in, and so he just throws everything eight yards high. Josh Adams is worn down, didn't look healthy the last month of the season, and is going to be playing on a shitty playing surface. As you said, this is the third game in a week and the second in two days or something. Uh-huh. The O-line looked worn down as the year went on, and you've got two guys who are looking at first-round draft stock in a couple months. They're probably not going to want to go 100%. The defense, God only knows what happened the second half of the year. I, I got nothing, man. I can't pick this team. I don't want. I don't. I just want to go away. I'm done. <laughs> I got nothing. All right. Well, and, and it's it's. I mean, it's not like LSU looks great, right? Darius Geis is very good, but we have no idea if he's going to play or want to play hard. They've certainly had their fair share of problems on both offense and defense this year. Uh, there was a, a report out earlier today that they will be splitting ties with their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, after this game. And what was funny is the reporters that were that tweeted this started with, finally, LSU has decided to cut ties. The dude is in his first year at LSU. So people don't seem to be too happy with his performance this year, I guess. Yeah, they, they've had some rocky situations. I, I didn't see that particular report, although I'm not surprised because what I did see today was a report that Coach O said, ever since the Troy game, we've been running the offense the way I wanted to. So I was like, oh, that's not good, Mr. Canada. They're just like, you're probably going to be shipped out of there soon. So, yeah, uh, Coach O had his sights on his OC in this one, but... Man, Eddie, everything you said for Notre Dame is why, for the first time all season, I'm going to be picking against the Irish here, even as a three-and-a-half-point dog. I I feel so bad about this game. I feel so bad about their chances. What I'm hoping for, because obviously I want to be wrong here, we we would very much love to be wrong. 100%. And would love to see Notre Dame basically Music City Bowl a much better LSU team. That would be great. That would be a lot of fun. We would love that. Getting the 10 wins would be a, a nice end, not a great end, but certainly better than ending the season 9-4 and four and basically looking back like, huh, we, we lost to damn near every decent team we played. That really sucks. But what I'm hoping in this one is that the month layoff gave time for everybody to rest up. Josh Adams to get back right. He hasn't looked right ever since those 33 trekking hats came out. Uh, we got Dexter Williams who God knows what's happened to him half the time. He doesn't look like he's had his top speed since week two. Just about hang on a second. He disappeared week two since week three. Let me rephrase that. And, and you also have an offensive line that's looked tired. They've looked worn down. Wimbush has been all over the place. You're hoping he's been able to get some things ironed out, but I don't think a month's enough time. And I know your thoughts on the current Notre Dame quarterback coach all too well. I'm sure you have all the confidence in the world that Mr. Thomas Reese has been able to to help fix all those. How many explicit tags do you want on this podcast, Ryan? I can only put one on there. So. You're, <laughs> you're going to find that's not true, in fact. 
Uh, but anyway, that's and like you said, the wide receiver and and also tight end situation not great. So what you then have to hope is that you got people that step up. But quite frankly, we've been looking for people to step up, and the one person that did kind of step up on the field was Stefferson, and he is not going to be on the field. So this is not a great situation. This has all the makings of a nightmare scenario for Notre Dame. So that's where why I'm gonna go ahead and lean LSU in this one want to be wrong and let me tell you if brian kelly really really wants to show that there's a corner that's been churned you take this nightmare situation and you show that you can out coach a guy that's held the interim tag for the majority of his career <laughs> if you you got to out coach the coach O. as much as i love coach O, you got to be able to do that you, you can't get out coached by year number one guy over there you just can't you need to show you got something in the bag. You need to show that you've really turned this thing around. You know where the problems are. So now it's put up or shut up time. Yes, you got a lot of issues. You got a lot of things uh, to your detriment, but you got to find a way to win. So let, let's see what you got there. Please, 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 please prove me wrong because I would not like to start 2018 on a very sour note. I couldn't agree with you more on everything you just said. The one thing that I haven't been able to figure out I am not as confident about Notre Dame losing this game as I was going into the Music City Bowl. Because I, as you'll recall, thought we were just going to get bodied. Yep, I do recall that. I don't know if that's good or bad going into this one. (laughs) Because obviously I was wrong there. So is my lack of the same voracity in that pick a good thing or a bad thing that just means it'll be a closer game i guess yeah that's we don't need close games actually this kind of reeks <laughs> that would that's what it's gonna do we're gonna lose by three both lose the pick <laughs> and still lose the game on some bullshit late score that's that is actually the perfect way for this podcast and you season to come to an end isn't it we, we will never use this site again and there's stupid bullshit hooks if that comes to pass i i will i will tell you this for for at least complete transparency in real life the line has a hook as well this is not an artificial oh well then website hook it opened at three but with some of the news lately it moved to three and a half Wow, only a half point? That's how much all the suspensions and arrests were worth? I guess so. That's, okay, that makes me oddly feel very, very comfortable here. here. You would think that would push a little bit more. And according to Sportsline, there's just about a 50-50 split on the tickets. Yeah, well, I mean, look, we, we know how money flies towards Notre Dame a little disproportionately at times. Certainly. So... But still, that is, I would have expected a little bit heavier LSU play still, despite that. Well, I think it's, I think it's because of that public side issue that you don't have to move the line too much to still even out. That's true. That's true. Either that or or maybe some sharp knows something. I I hope that's the case. I I hope it's a Notre Dame's benefit. Does Sportsline happen to give you the uh, monetary lean or is it just ticket lean? No, it's it's just ticket lean. Nobody gives you the monetary lean. 
you gotta you gotta have an inside man for that shit <laughs> and and we we are not that inside here on this podcast by any means not even close <laughs> all right well that's gonna sum it up and and eddie after after this we are only gonna have one more game to pick and it's gonna be the national title game but hey with that said go ahead and send us out into the new year's six fun well, there you go, kids. There's good news. You only have to listen to me pick one more game this year. Merry Christmas from me to you. I hope you all had a lovely Christmas or Hanukkah, whatever you celebrated. New Year's is coming up. Don't go too hard New Year's Eve. I mean, one, you know, I guess be responsible, be good adults, don't do <laughs> dumb stuff. Sure, there's that. But I mean, this is a noon kick, y'all. You gotta, gotta be up, gotta be up kind of early. And you're probably going to want to drink for this one. So, you know, just consider you've got two days here. One just for partying, one full of great football. Our game, look, it should be a very good game. I'm looking forward to it. I hope I'm wrong. And I'm wrong a lot. So we got a good chance there. The rest of the slate that day is just stacked. UCF Auburn ought to be great. And then you get the two playoff games. Man, just fantastic. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you all enjoy it. I hope you all have a happy new year. May we all have a better 2018 than 2017 because holy shit, that's a low bar, huh? <laughs> hey, we, but, we, need to, we need to clear it still. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. We, I think we said the same kind of thing at the end of 2016. And oh, we limboed low now. <laughs> but hey, we're going to pick it up 2018. And if for Notre Dame football reasons, 2018 is not better, well, there's probably going to be a little bit of a change. Maybe. Hopefully. My voice can't go any higher. It doesn't really work for a bit. But until then, we'll worry about that when we get there. For now, just concentrate on what you need to remember. Go Irish. And hail gambler. And as always, I want to thank Eddie for coming on and doing the picks. And folks, we are coming close to the end of the pick'em. Uh, really excited to see how things turn out. Even though it's been a little rough for me these past couple of days here, the the second half of this bowl week uh, not treating me very well. Uh, but Shane, any big New Year's plans beyond trying to watch uh, Notre Dame take out LSU? No, basically navigating that while dodging however many 60, 70, 90 members of my family who want to talk to me about stuff. So uh, is that's it, basically going to be the plan. Is, is it like I will a big to do with your family and New Year's always, or are they just always dude. Oh. We're, we're, we're Dominican and Venezuelan. It's just it's a lot of people. Um, <laughs> a lot. Um, so my strategy in, the, in recent years has been drink enough to be an unpleasant conversation and be left at peace. Um <laughs> So, yeah, that's that's going to be the plan. Uh, and then I will find a corner with a television turned to the appropriate channel so that I can watch and not be bothered. Well, there you go. That's that's not a, a bad plan. I, I'm hoping I'm, uh, I'm I'm trying to head over to uh, my buddy, uh, friend since best friend since high school. We're, we're trying to head over. He's got uh, he lives out there now. He's had some ranch land in his family and he decided to move out there. So that's where he hangs his hat. So we're hoping we can head out there. But uh, I'm dealing with a sick kiddo. And if uh, he doesn't have a fever breaking by this weekend uh we're not going to be going anywhere in which case i will just sit on the couch and be the only one in the house that can drink because my wife's pregnant and i have a toddler because that would be weird <laughs> that gets the child uh, I mean, take I guess, young 
yeah, that's, that's, that, that gets the child taken away from you is what I've heard. So we don't want to do that. Uh, but yeah, and I'm hoping that uh, I'll be able to uh, to get in a spot where I can watch the game and maybe not be too hungover because I know when I, I get together with uh, both him and we got another friend, it's another one of my Aggie friends, when the three of us get together, uh, sobriety goes out the window very, very quick. And, and somehow the alcohol just, just seems to taste more like water when I'm around them. And, and it does not end well. Nice. But yeah, that, that's what I'm looking forward to. And, and folks, we will be back. Uh, we will not have an episode immediately after the game. So because there's there's some important playoff stuff happening that we're going to want to watch. So we will have to re-rack and reset. We'll try to aim to get something out to you uh, the Wednesday after. So we'll, we'll shoot for that. We'll see how, how close we can get to it. And folks, that is going to do it for this episode. Make sure you subscribe to us and review as well over at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Podbean, and of course, you can always find us over at HerLowellSons.com. Make sure to join us over at Discord, HerLowellSons.com slash Discord. Email the show, podcast at HerLowellSons.com. Folks, have a very safe and happy new year, and of course, go Irish, beat Tigers. Have a good one, y'all. Yeah.